Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 13 but we'll take it in pieces this morning. We'll start uh, with verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being tempted for forty days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. How many of you would like to follow him into that wilderness to fast for 40 days. Not the kind of fasting that some do during Lent where they just give up one type of food, but not, nothing to eat for 40 days wandering in the wilderness. Doesn't really sound like a lot of fun, does it? There was one time in Nepal where I had to uh, ride on a bus for 11 hours from about 5 in the morning we started without anything to eat. And in fact, I was sitting next to a a bucket of raw meat that kind of made the trip rather unpleasant and after 11 hours on the bus and then I had a bowl of ramen and hiked for about four to five hours uh, that was a difficult day but I did have something to eat and it was only one day 40 days without anything to eat that would be pretty tough how wonderful it is then how glad I am that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness that he did this for me, right? And not only did he wander fasting for 40 days, but he was tempted by Satan. Our text gives us three examples of the way in which Jesus was tempted, but the Gospels also make it clear that these are not the only three temptations with which Satan presented Jesus. They're just an example of three of the temptations. In point of fact, Jesus was tempted throughout that whole 40 days. On Confirmation Sunday, our kids come up and they're tested for, for 20 minutes in front of the congregation, about 20 minutes. That's difficult, right? But that's only 20 minutes. Again, 40 days of, of being tested constantly. Uh, Satan trying to get you to, to fail or to fall. I don't think many of us would last very long. And so once again, we have to confess and pray with great joy that it is Jesus who is doing this for us. That he is the one who is both tempted and tested and wandering for 40 days without food. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, the sixth petition, what do we say? We say, lead us not into temptation. And we often pray that without really thinking about what it is we're saying or what it is that we're praying for. But what we are praying for is this very thing. We are praying that God would not choose us to be tempted, to be tested the way that Jesus was because we know we're not going to make it through such a, a testing in the wilderness. But instead we're very joyful, we're very glad that Jesus did it for us. It's kind of like in school when the teacher is looking for someone to call on and you didn't read the lesson ahead of time you were supposed to and so you're sitting shrunk up in your desk saying to yourself, please not me, please not me, right? Lead us not into temptation. Don't choose me, God. 
because I'm not going to survive such a tempting, but what a joy, what a wonderful thing it is that we know that our Savior did it in our place. Verses uh, 3 and 4. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Having fasted for 40 days, it's very obvious how Jesus would be sorely tempted to do as Satan says here and turn the stones into bread. He was very hungry. And after all, doesn't he need bread to eat? This temptation reminds us of the temptations that the children of Israel underwent in the wilderness, doesn't it? Because they also lacked bread. They also were in the wilderness and were hungry. But the children of Israel, of course, gave in to that temptation and complained to God. Jesus, however, does not. It's not a coincidence that Jesus was tempted for 40 days. That also is a reference, a reminder, of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so both the temptation that Satan puts before him and the fact that it was 40 days shows us that Jesus is taking the place of the nation of Israel. They failed when they were tested for 40 years in the wilderness. They failed again and again, giving into temptation and complaining against God. But here Jesus stands in their place, one man for the entire nation, and succeeds, passes the test that they failed. In Bible history class in school with the 5th and 6th graders, we are currently talking about that very story, the account of the children of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. And one of the things that I mention to the kids almost every lesson, probably more than once a lesson, is, <clears throat> well, what is the attitude of the children of Israel? They are like whiny little children. And you have to repeat that over and over again because it comes through so clearly. Time and time again, they run into problems, and instead of trusting God, what do they do? They complain. Oh, the armies of the Egypts are coming after us. Oh, we're going to die. It would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. Oh, we have no, nothing to eat. We're going to die in the wilderness. It would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. Oh, we have no water. We're going to die in the desert. It would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. Oh, Moses has been up on the mountain for 40 days. He probably died up there. Let's make a new God and follow a new God because we don't know what happened to Moses. It would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. There's really no other way to describe their attitude other than whiny little children complaining about every little thing. And yet the fact is, the problems that they had were real problems. They needed food. They needed water. There was a real danger of the Egyptian army coming after them. But they failed because even after they saw God's mighty works in Egypt, and how he delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, instead of trusting God to provide, they failed to trust God, and they instead complained. Jesus succeeds where they fail, doesn't he? Because in our text, Jesus trusts the Father. Yes, he could have turned the stones into bread, but Jesus says, I don't need to, because I know that my Father will provide 
when it is time. Yes, I have been without food for 40 days, but even though I am hungry, I trust that God will provide. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are praying that God would give us the strength to trust in his promises, even when we've been hungry for 40 days. And thankfully, God doesn't usually test us that long. For me, it was 11 hours, not 40 days. I don't know how long some of you have had to go hungry. Well, God doesn't test us as long as he tested Jesus. And yet, even though our testing is much shorter, we, like the Israelites, often fail to trust that God will provide and start complaining. Right now, we're in the season of Lent, which, again, it's not a coincidence, is 40 days long. The 40 days of Lent remind us of the 40 years of the Israelites wandering. It reminds us to compare ourselves to them and to recognize that, yes, we also often are whiny little children, just like the Israelites, complaining about every little thing. Our lives sound a lot like the Israelites wandering through the desert. Time after time, we have a problem. Time after time, we complain about that problem. Time after time, God delivers us. He gives us what we need. And yet the next day, when a new problem arises, instead of saying, God provided yesterday, he'll provide today, we start complaining again. So the 40 days of Lent remind us of the Israelites, but they also remind us of Jesus' 40 days of temptation and how he endured that temptation and passed it perfectly in our place. So that when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are asking God to give us the strength to trust him, but we are also praising and thanking him that Jesus passed that test perfectly in our place. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, for, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In this temptation, Satan claims for himself all the authority and power of this world. And there's a question there, isn't there? Because is Satan lying? Or does he truly have the right, the authority, over all the kingdoms of this world? Jesus and Scripture agree with Satan that he does have that power, that he does have this authority. Jesus says in John 12, verse 31, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Jesus did come to cast down Satan, but you notice that he does concede that for now Satan is the ruler of this world. And also in 1 John 5:19, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So yes, indeed, all earthly power and authority do belong to Satan. That is to say, all political force, all authority that is derived from force is under Satan's sway. Jesus agrees. But Jesus has another authority, doesn't he? 
Jesus' authority is not the authority of this world or the power of politics or the force of armies. Jesus has authority from the word of God. And we've already seen that in our readings this year. We've heard how Jesus preached and the people marveled at his preaching. For he preached as one having authority. Jesus does not need the authority of kings or armies because his authority is the authority of the word of God. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. That is to say, if Jesus' authority were an authority of force, then he would use force to win. But his authority is the authority of the word, and so he does not use force with Pilate or anywhere else, but he preaches the word of God, and through that gospel, he rules in our hearts. Those who rely on force and the power of, of armies and politics, that is an authority under the sway of Satan. But those of us whom, through whom Jesus rules in our hearts by his word, we are a part of his kingdom. This is why we do not pray in the sixth petition in this manner. We do not say to God our Father, you know, we would please would you destroy all those who tempt me, all those who oppose me, all those who would lead me astray from your word. You know, God, those people who are tempting me with drugs or alcohol or, or those people who make me angry and thus tempt me to sin through anger, I would like it if you would just send a fiery uh, angel with a fiery sword to destroy and kill them so that I am no longer tempted. We do not pray in that way, do we? We do not pray that our Father would destroy those who tempt and oppose us, but rather, what do we pray? Lead me. Lead me through your word. Guide me through your word so that even though temptation exists all around us and those who oppose God's word are not destroyed, we would be led safely through the traps and tricks of Satan and brought into God's heavenly kingdom. We are often tempted by our sinful nature to resort to force, political force, physical force, some other kind of force, when we feel like people are opposing us or tempting us. But God leads and guides us through his word. And what a wonderful thing it is that he does. Because God leading and guiding us means that we can love our enemies, even those who oppose us, and share God's word with them. We do not need to use force to oppose them. And it's an even more wonderful thing because we are sometimes the ones who are tempting others to sin as well. And rather than God destroying us because we are leading his children into sin, God forgives us through his word and leads and guides us and others through temptation. Martin Luther wrote in his large catechism, This then is leading us not into temptation. When God gives us power and strength to resist, even though the tribulation is not removed or ended. Thus, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are not asking that God would destroy all our enemies, but that he would guide us safely through his word and forgive us when we fail. 
We continue with verses 9 to 13. Then he brought him, that is, Satan brought Jesus, to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. When we pray, lead me not into temptation, we are asking that God would be our guide, our teacher, that he would lead us and that we are confessing then that we are the students. Now it's not the job of the student to test the teacher, is it? But it's the job of the teacher to test the student. I don't know this from experience, but I've heard that hiking or climbing on a glacier is a very dangerous thing. Chasms can open under your feet before you even realize that they are there. And so if you do, for some reason, need to uh, climb a glacier, it's a very good idea to have a guide who knows that glacier well and can lead you safely across it. But what a foolish thing it would be to say to yourself, I'm going to test my guide. I'm going to walk this way or this way out of the path that he has shown me is safe in order to see if this rope will really hold or in order to see if that guide is really strong enough to pull me out of the chasm. That would be quite foolish, wouldn't it? Now, <clears throat> we want to walk right where that guide leads and guides us. And so we confess when we pray, lead me not into temptation, we confess that God is our guide and our leader and we are confessing and promising that we are going to go where he guides us, we are not going to tempt or test him. This, these last couple years with COVID is an excellent example of what it means not to, to test our God. When God has laid out a path before us that he wants us to follow, we trust that he will keep us safe. But we do not go out of our way in order to increase the danger, in order to show how great our faith is, or in order to test whether he really fulfills his promises. When God uh, guides and leads us like this is something you need to do, uh, even though you might be in danger of catching a disease or some other kind of danger, we gladly go. But we do not avoid or we do not uh, ignore those things that he has given to us for our safety. You know, God, when I was younger, God led me to preach God's word in Nigeria, which is a very dangerous place. And I went gladly and wasn't really that afraid. There were times when I was a little bit afraid, but I, I was more afraid on, I was a lot more afraid, um, what was it, Monday night when Kaylee was going to the hospital uh, than I ever was in Nigeria. But nevertheless, there was times, there was, for an example, there was a time when I was in one city in Nigeria and the mayor from uh, another village called me up and said, you know, there are men waiting on the road. They know that you're planning to travel this way tomorrow and they're waiting to kidnap you. Well, that would have been foolish for me to say, well, that's okay, God will take care of me. I'll go on that road anyway. It was a simple matter to travel by a different route or uh, to stay in the, that one village one more day, right? So we do not put God to the test 
just to show off our faith or just to see if God is really uh, going to fulfill his promises. When we walk in his way, we trust his promise. As we read in our psalm this morning, Psalm 91, 3 through 4, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. God promises that even though Satan is that fowler, a fowler is someone who tries to catch birds, right? Uh, even though Satan is trying to trap and trick us, he will keep us safe and guide and guard us. And thus when we play, pray, lead us not into temptation, we are confessing and putting our trust in God to preserve and to protect us from the dangers that surround us. But we are also promising that we will follow where he leads and not put him to the test as Jesus confesses before Satan in our text this morning. The psalmist says, His truth, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His truth is the thing that protects us, his word. And there is one truth, one word of God, which is our protection above all other things. That is the truth that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and was tested and tempted in our place and died for our sins. So that when we are tested, it's really more of a practice test. You remember practice tests perhaps from high school. Uh, they were tests you took beforehand where they didn't really get graded. They were just practice, and so the grade didn't really matter. These practice tests we are given afterwards. Jesus has already taken the test and has already received that perfect grade in our place. So we already have received 100% an A through Jesus Christ. God does sometimes lead us into temptation. God does sometimes test us. But the wonderful and glorious truth is that even if we fail, we are forgiven through Jesus Christ. That truth, above all others, protects us against Satan's traps. So that even if we are trapped by him, we are forgiven through Jesus Christ and restored. This is what we mean when we pray, lead us not into temptation. We rejoice that Jesus was led in our place so that we receive his grade and are forgiven through him. We promise to follow where God guides and leads, and we confess the truth that we know that he will protect us from all danger. Amen.